0: My name is Joshua Guncher, and tonight on Pastoralio, we continue our two-part series in the adventures of Catholic Parenting. And on this episode, I am joined, as always, by Father Stephen McKenna of St. Gertrude the Great Roman Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. On this episode of Pastoralio, we're going to be picking up with our second part of a two-part show on Catholic Parenting. The first episode, which we finished at the end of last season, involved younger children and how to raise young Catholic children. Now the children have gotten a little bit old since our break, and we're going to be looking at Catholic parenting from the perspective of parents who are raising children who have already begun that transition into adulthood. Maybe not quite teenagers, but certainly including teenagers. We're going to look at how the Fourth Commandment actually applies to children as they get older, we're going to be looking at how parents should strive for a balance between being a disciplinarian and actually counseling their children to become good Catholics as they grow up, and also to be mindful of the independence that children need as they become independent adults. We'll look at how there needs to be a work-play balance for children, and also how dating and courtship should enter into a parent's guidance of a child who is considering the married state. Finally, we'll look at rebellion and how parents are to treat it and how the home, the Catholic home in particular, should always remain a place of spiritual safe haven. Father, we're fast forwarding now to be approaching the parenting of older children. We've already dealt with the the issues that face Catholic parents when trying to rear very small children, children who you know largely have not yet attained the the age of reason, um, and now we 're dealing with children who who already have these are children who can think on their own, can make decisions on their own, uh, and sometimes those decisions are the source of not a little consternation for parents and sometimes it's it's a source of great joy to see a child starting to uh, become his own person. We always like to start with basics and we, we've talked about the the fourth commandment before, but the fourth commandment has sort of a way of of the the application sort of changes as one gets older. Uh, if we were to do a, a show about Catholics who uh, are children of parents but who are themselves parents of children, the fourth commandment is something which still applies to children regardless of their age, and it, the application may change slightly. But let's talk about how the fourth commandment applies to children. Uh, who have reached the age of reason, who are starting to think on their own, how are children supposed to uh, be treating their parents? Is it, does it change at
1: all uh, now that the child is older? It becomes, I think, a, a little more difficult in that way because when they're really young, if they if they are disobeying in some way then or, or doing something wrong, they, oftentimes they're not paying attention or they're... Uh, or they're not listening. Whereas when they get older, they start to, you know, the possibility of them actually really kind of choosing to just do what they want to do rather than what you want to do becomes more uh, apparent. Uh, not that it's always going to happen that way, but it but it does. And I think it's as you're you're dealing with kids as they come into this older age that you have to parents have to realize the this is why. The when we talked about the the first part of the show the the first ch- uh, uh, parenting show why that rearing of children from day one uh, in a very good way and in and in in laying down a good foundation for them for them in those days is so important because that's going to build up good and healthy habits it's much harder to to get a kid when he's older to change. The way he's doing things and now start to fall into some sort of parameters of what you want them to do rather than it's just what they've done their entire life. And um, and so that's, so that's important to, to point out too is that, that you know it has to start very early on from, from, from really from day one. But the, the fourth commandment is honor thy mother and father. So the, first, you know, the, the most important part to point out, everybody looks immediately to obedience, but, but the most important part to point out is, is really honor you know, the honoring of your parents. And if you have honor for them, then the obedience will follow from that. So obedience is just a subset of what the, what the commandment is requiring you to do. And, and really honoring your parents is, is something that is, is, is is even greater because it's something that, uh, you know, your parents, you have to, children should look to their parents for, um, they should respect them in, in all aspects, uh, uh, that they, uh, work with them in their lives. They should, they should uh, they should look to them as an, not only an authority but uh, but as something you know along the lines of a, uh, a good and benevolent leader if you will because that uh, they they should to, they should be wanting to come to a father or a mother for advice they should be wanting to come to them to, to ask questions and we all know that that doesn't always work out uh, every single time but uh, but we want to try to develop that that you know that that it's not just one of pure obedience that you know you will do what i what I tell you to do because I tell you to do it, but uh which which that sometimes has its place, but it's but overall you know it should be you know thinking of um you know thinking of like like we obey God, we don't obey the commandments just because you know God said thou shalt not, but we but we obey them because. We love God. We want to be with Him in heaven forever, and uh, and we want to, to. We never want to offend Him, and we always want to please Him. And we know it's for our good. You know, the same thing for our parents. We love them. We want uh, to please them. We want to, to to do them proud, and we want to, uh, and and we want to, and we know that that stuff is for our good. And so, if that's the the type of atmosphere that should be developed around the fourth commandment, is is one of honor and respect. And, um, and, and for a child to see that and to recognize it, uh, it has to start with the, um, with the parents themselves. That's where in order for you to elicit honor and respect from your child, you must command, uh, their, their honor and respect and, and and not demand it. So uh, to command something is is different than demanding. So if I... If I de- demand something, then I'm just telling you to do that because I, I say so, and uh, that's that only gets us so far. Really, it doesn't really involve the other person thinking about anything. No, no, it's just It's you know, superficial. It's as if uh, as if you were just listening to uh, um, to a list of of instructions, really, and it's and, and you're going to. To, you know, children will eventually start to pick and choose which ones they listen to. Whereas, if you demand, uh, if you command respect, then it's led by a, the example of the parents first and foremost. It's uh, you know, if it, if a child sees the husband and wife, the, the mother and father, and they have the the their own proper respects for each other, and they treat themselves as as good Catholic couples should, and they treat other people in that same way, then then they will be more likely to follow that example. So, you know, a husband, you know, treating his wife as Christ, you know, loving his wife as Christ loves the church and and running the household in a way that, is the best for all all those involved and in looking for the souls first and foremost with a good balance and you know a wife who who you know, is subject to, to her husband but at the same time works together with him you know in a loving way and um, and that, that uh, they interact with other people in a way that is very respectful and they uh, and they always. Uh, you know treat their children with love and and looking out for them and what is best for them at all times then they they will understand that and they they will it'll lead them to to listen and and to follow through with the things that you teach them to do uh it's like it's like if someone was in the military and they had a and they had a commanding officer and the officer just sat behind the lines and and you know shouted out instructions about you know charging after enemy and, and things like that after a while the soldiers are not going to be all that eager to go throw their lives in the way when when the other when the commanding officer is just sitting behind a cushy desk but if he's out there you know trudging through the mud with them and putting his own life in danger then they'll follow him anywhere he wants anywhere he tells them to go he could tell them to to go into a, you know a grossly outnumbered battle and if he's leading the way they will, they will follow him. The same thing goes for the family. You know, the children. Uh, if you just tell them what to do, but you don't do it yourself, then you know they will be hesitant to, to obey or to listen to you. Um, but if you if you lead by your own example, then then they they will be much more likely and eager to to follow in your footsteps. So just to turn the the proverb
0: on its head, I mean, honor is a matter of. Doing as I do, not as I say. Correct. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, I should. You know, this the do as I say part of it is not, you know, illicit either. I mean, we there are times where you're going to have to say to your children, you, you, you know, you do this because I told you to do that. You know, they're gonna if they you say you do this and they say why, you know, you don't always have time or need to explain yourself. You you say because I said so. You know, but because uh, the car is coming. All right, but but uh, but if you. But if you uh, but if you are constantly giving a good example, then those things that you do ask them to do uh, they will be more likely to fall in line with so it's um you know uh, the that honor is um, uh, like I said it's it, it still has to come when you're just having to tell them what to do uh, and uh, telling them telling them what is good for them uh, but it's but you can only get there. Successfully and consistently, um, if you if you're doing your best to try to lead by example as well. And, um, however, with that understanding, um, children have to recognize that their you know their parents are human beings. Uh, they have their their own faults. They have they're going to be times where they're going to lose their their temper or there are going to be times where they might uh, argue with something or, you know, they might, um, uh, you know, they might uh, do or say things that they might regret later on or whatever. Uh, you, ha- you know, you have, you have, children have to realize that, that their parents are human beings and they're going to have faults, just like every single one of us that they all need to work on. But, uh, but whether they're uh, filled with grave faults or, you know, walking saints, doesn't change from the fact that children still have to give that honor to their parents. So this is one, this
0: is one of the situations, father, where it's you're 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 often as a newly married couple, you're, you're often counseled. You're going to have disagreements, mm-hmm. but never have them in front of the children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, again, it, re- it reflects a practical reality. This will happen, but never put yourself in a position where the disagreement becomes something. That negatively trains the child that, that mom and dad uh, are subject to discord and mm-hmm. I I mean it's it's amazing the way children learn to co-opt those situations that they learn to try to take advantage of them and I think it yeah. in, in a way it also if you if you're talking about giving example in terms of honoring um, it gives a perfect example of what not to do mm-hmm. when you find your children behaving as one might have if there had been that type of dispute with the with with the spouse,
1: right? And it, and it just you know it makes it that you know that type of just you know the, a constant scene of of arguing and fighting will will make it more difficult to elicit honor from the from the child. But you know, but it doesn't take away from the fact that the child is still bound to to do that. You know, that's the important thing for if. You know, if you're listening to this with your with your kids your older kids or something like that, you know they should know that they uh you know that you, no matter even if they do see mom and dad have an argument or uh or you know lose their temper or stub their toe and and you know shout or something like that um, uh, it doesn't mean you can you, you know you lose respect and honor for them you just you you are still bound no matter what. To, to still hold them in their proper place. They are they are, and always will be your parent, and so you have to have a proper honor for them. Practical practical scenario of your
0: father. I think most parents of children who reach some semblance of adulthood come to realize that there is a small lawyer living in the house <laughs> with them, and the small lawyer picks up on little things and, and, and really is drawn to inconsistencies that preoccupied adults don't don't often see. But taking a step back, if one peeled apart the situation, it becomes clear. There is kind of a a difficulty. There is kind of a conflict here, which may seem very clear to a child, but may not seem clear to an adult when, when the situation presents itself. Case in point, there are traditional Catholics who... We're not raised traditional Catholics who have parents who are perhaps very loving in a a purely natural way, Mm -hmm. uh, care about their children in a purely natural way and uh, demand uh, an honor of them in in a way that is not only natural for children to to have toward their parents, but uh, is also, at least in word, based on the commandment. And those parents may take the fourth commandment and say, "I don't, I don't want you to, to go off to you know, this place for mass. We, we have Saint so and so's down the road. Why, why don't you go there? This is where we go. This is where you were baptized. Don't you listen to your parents? If you are so religious, why aren't you following the fourth commandment here? Mm-hmm. And you end up with these practical situations where you have commandments competing." And one of those commandments is often the fourth commandment. How do I honor my, 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 father and my mother, and at the same time say honor God by making my, my Sunday obligation uh, to uh, maintain purity uh, to uh, not to, to, to steal things. Uh, it's, it's really easy to say, hey, well, look, you know, dad just happens to be a career criminal. And I know this doesn't happen to a lot of people, but just saying for a moment um, and he says, look, we've always, you know, we've, We've always robbed banks together. It's always been a father and son thing. Um, it's like, well, Dad, I, you know, I don't do that anymore. It's like, well, what about the fourth commandment? I, I'm obviously exaggerating the situation, but what happens in a situation where another commandment
1: seems to come in conflict with the fourth commandment? Well, then, you know, with the fourth commandment, it's always the, the proper hierarchy because it doesn't... The commandment commands us to obey, to honor our our, our mother and our father, but... It's it's the proper hierarchy of, of everything there included. It, you know, included in the fourth commandment is is also you know uh, giving you know due honor to your employer. You're not going to listen to them the same way that you listened to your your parents when you were a kid, but you still have to give them honor. They're still a, a lawful authority above you. However, if your employer tells you to do something that breaks the law. Uh, then you don't listen to your employer because he's asking you to do something that is beyond his 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 jurisdiction if you will his 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 rights as as your employer well the same thing with, with with parents if if parents uh ask children to commit sin, then that is when they have stepped over their bounds they've gone to an area where they where they have no right to be, which is to tell someone to go against God because you know they have to be obedient to God, and 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 all of us do as the highest of authorities. And so, therefore, they've, they've overstepped their bounds. And a, a child's not in, uh, bound to listen to their parents if they tell them to sin. Uh, but you know, for most, you know, for most people listening to the, the to the show, you probably come from a traditional Catholic family or you you are traditional catholic parents and um so you know normally speaking parents aren't every day asking their children to sin so you know if there's kids listening to the show then you know generally speaking don't try to find some sort of sin in what your parents are are telling you to do just do what your parents tell you to do but but if it's um uh, but if it's something that's very clear that you know they're asking you to do something that is wrong Telling you to, to 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 lie, or they're telling you to uh, steal, or something like that. Then, then you're obliged to to follow God be, even before them. And so that's um, that's where our point of you know we we have to have always that you know that honor of God above all else, um, even if um, they be uh, people in charge of us. Um, uh, it's it's like. Um, the, there are several saints that are are, are martyrs that uh, that uh, their their own parents were the ones that tried to tempt them to offer up uh, you know sacrifice to the gods for the sake of saving their own lives and they knew that it would be wrong to offer sacrifice to the gods and even though it was their own parents enticing them to do so they they still gave up their lives rather than. Than do that because they had to honor God before before everything else. Father,
0: if there is a situation where a parent perceives a child as being disrespectful or a very clear breach of of the fourth commandment what what type of reprisal should there be? I mean obviously this isn't um, a situation where the parent is is acting as as a priest in the confessional but in the the order of the home, a child who's mouthing off or um, is is talking back or being disrespectful uh is is that child is destroying
1: the order in the home, what needs to happen to to reassert that order yeah well you know if if a child is is lacking the fourth commandment in some sort of way of you know they didn't follow through what they were supposed to do, or you know obedience anything along those lines then uh, you know then punishment should be given out as appropriate, and you know we have to be uh, be fair and balanced with it all but if but one thing that parents should not uh, tolerate is if their child becomes truly uh, disrespectful or dishonouring so like if a, uh, give an example uh, you know if a father and a mother are talking to the you know mother is talking to her son uh and the and she's telling him that you know she's making some point of uh of correction to him and the son you know tells his mother uh you know to shut up and calls her a name and things like that and like really steps out of line in in being truly disrespectful in that way of of her then you know the father if you know if the father should be ready to really come down swiftly and forcefully to to put his his son back in line you know to 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 make him know his place those type of those like really egregious disrespect of their of of, of a child for for a child to a parent you know is something that you know we're not talking about obedience we're talking about Truly, you know, mouthing off or and being truly disrespectful, um, you know, it's the, really an offense. It's an offense to the the dignity of the role of the parent at that point. Exactly. Yes, because now, now, you know, we talk about obedience being part of that honor, and you know that that's the part that especially parents always focus and think on is that you know child's being disobedient but you know that's a minor offense in comparison to someone just truly just violating all honor which is you know is something of of really kind of um you know being outwardly disrespectful to to their to their parent question for you father the
0: the requirements of of honor i mean obviously the only way that they're really going to be manifested is if they're external Mm -hmm. you know i'm I sit quietly and my father's telling me about something I, I need to show him uh, a due amount of deference. I'm not going to interrupt him. I'm not going to speak ill of him. I'm not going to do anything externally that's going to to make it seem as though I, I, I don't have that honor for him. I'm curious about the the interior aspect of, of this honor. I mean, is it, is it enough for me to um, respect my, or show honor to my, my parents uh, externally by, by not Mouthing off uh, by doing the things that they instruct me to do, but what has to happen inside? I mean, am I allowed to think these things, uh, but just not act on them?
1: What does the internal form look like? Well, I think the realization has to be that people are going to have, you know, when we when we have these thoughts of when thoughts of disrespect to come come to somebody, or you know, they're they know that they should not manifest in an outward way, but they're just going to, to keep their, you know, kind of like you said, kind of keep your mouth shut and just kind of carry on. Uh, I believe, you know, in a way we have to really look at that just as, as temptation, you know, that, um, that we're being, in that moment that the, we're being tempted to say something dishonorable or to contradict or to, do our own thing uh, in that way, and um, but if we don't act upon it, then you know we're starting in a way of of fighting that temptation in a, in a very good way, uh, and then it, we should follow it up by also trying to dismiss the thoughts as temptation as well. So just because the thought comes to us doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong or sinned in any kind of way. Um, but we have to not act upon it, and we have to try to, uh, just like you know, we have to not act upon the thought, and we have to uh, just treat it like any kind of other temptation of thought, whether it be to to um, to doubts of the in the faith or towards uh, you know pure, against purity or things like that. That we have to try to dispel the thought too. We don't want that, that thought to linger because it's a damaging thought and it's a, and it's a it's a wrong thought. But so that's that's how if we have that attitude towards it. All right. First and foremost, I'm not going to act upon it. The thought might be rattling around in my head, but I know I really should not act on it. And you know, and then I should try to, you know, preferably kind of and calmly get rid of the thought uh, because I don't want it to be there. Then, then, then there's no. Then we're not doing. Then we're doing everything right. We're gaining actually gaining merit by by fighting those things in that way.
0: But we would actually be doing something wrong if if we were to entertain the thought and, and say, "I'm not going to say these things aloud, but I'm, I'm saying them in my head." Right. Yeah. I'm being lectured, and I don't like it. And I'm I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking of all the uncharitable things I might otherwise want to say, but I don't say. Right. There's a problem in that. Yes. So there, there's a, there's a requirement for it to be internal. Mm-hmm. and honor the honor needs to be internal as much as it needs to
1: be external right and you know they you know a child might might struggle against it somewhat and that's that's okay this the struggle is fine it's just uh it's the, we just can't allow ourselves to be complacent and say well i might not say anything but you know this is this is what i'm i'm really thinking right now so we we
0: require this o- o- obedience not by demand but by command uh St. Paul in, in his letter to the Ephesians says, And you fathers provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and correction of the Lord. And again, he's, he says it in his letter to the Colossians. Um, fathers provoke not your children to indignation, lest they be discouraged. There's, it seems like there's this balance between, like you said, coming down, um, coming down swiftly and forcefully on a child for... Uh, Failing to show the due honor and reverence towards parents or towards superiors mm-hmm. um, and coming down so forcefully and so swiftly that it actually causes uh,
1: a, a new issue where's the where's the balance to be found there, well, father yes, I think that's something that is always going to be the the struggle for the the, the parents is, is is that just that because it's it's you know trying to trying to find the the focal point that things are are squared away and that's not always that easy but you know, the, the general idea is that fathers and mothers need to not be um tyrants but they but they have to not be pushovers all at the same time so they have to they have to think of uh you know that they have to be the ones. They're in charge of the family. They're the heads of the household. Uh, they're, they're they're calling the shots, if you will. And so they have to make rules. There has to be a governance of that family. There has to be rules. There has to be uh, uh, things that are expected of the children to, to, to do and to and how to act and every and, and in that regard. And they have to, to fall in line. But uh, at the same time, you and you should make those and. You, and you should make those rules, and you should enforce them, so if they're, and enforce them consistently, you know, that's the, the point of it is, so if you have a rule that, uh, that after dinner, uh, you know, immediately after dinner, uh, the chores must be done, the dishes must be washed, and the table must be wiped off, and, and, you know, and all of those things, then if a kid starts walking away to go play with his t- to play with his toys or something like that, and he's supposed to be taking the cups off the off the, the table, that's his his duty for the the night or something. Then you have to say no, no, no. You know, come back. You you, you can't go play until, until you do this because that's one of the, our rules. Or you know, older kids if they have a curfew of you know eight thirty or nine o'clock or something, then they have to. Be in by that curfew hour, um, but if it's, um, but at the same time, and those rules once again they should be enforced, and every time you know. So if if they are breaking curfew, uh, they break curfew one night and then they break it uh, another time, and you, the second time around you're just too tired or don't you know really feel you know like you you want to have another fight about the same issue again. And you just let it slide, well, then you've negated it, all of the good that, you, that is done by those rules because now you've opened the door that I, hey, I might get away with this, and or you know, hey, I don't have to take this rule so seriously uh, because the lawyer comes out again. Yes, and so it's uh, you know, kids are, are are amazingly perceptive in that way, and they know what they can and can't get away with, and so you don't want to. And by doing that, you you kind of you know lower the 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 bar of the respect that's shown to you because you haven't um, you haven't been consistent in in the enforcement of the rules given, and you now, won't be able to command the respect then exactly. And but on the the opposite side, you don't so you don't want to be a tyrant. You don't want to be so harsh. Uh, you don't want to be nitpicking your children about every little thing that they do wrong you don't want to be standing over their shoulder and saying no you you're holding your you know you're holding your your fork slightly off from what i want you to have it and you're no you know you're you're uh your handshake wasn't strong enough and no, your uh, your, your shoe uh, you know, every time I see your shoe untied you know there is some sort of punishment coming or you, you fidgeted a little bit during the family rosary you can't be nitpicking every little tiny detail and you can't be a tyrant you can't be so cruel and mean about correction um, because then your kids will either just uh, then your kids will just Will end up being just either afraid of you because you're so harsh, or they will end up kind of re- re- regretting you because you ju- they can't do anything right, or they will um, you know, or they will feel like, or they'll just or they'll end up sadly being pushed away. You can't smother them too much in that that way because it's you know that is equally harmful. So you have to find that balance that, you know, I have certain rules and I expect them to be followed and I expect them to be followed every time. But, you know, the little things I'm not gonna hit you on every little detail or uh you know, so it's you know, I'm gonna let you kind of uh you know, still be a kid or still be your own person basically. And uh um and so, and that kind of leads us from there. That idea of, you know, letting them do some of those little things leads us to what you're starting to do with older children. And that is the idea is that they're starting, they should start to get some independence. And they should start to become their own person. And they should start to 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 grow up a, a little bit as as they get older. You know, when you're when you have young children, like we talked about in the first show, it's they are um, you know they're, they're going to be uh, you're going to have to hold, you know hold their hand on everything that um, you're going to have to tell them what what to do and when to do it and things like that. But as they get older, they have to start to learn to make decisions for themselves. If uh, you, can't expect them to be uh, to be productive adults if they have no idea how to be an
0: adult or if they're scared to even try because you know that any desire to assist any desire to do a particular thing mm-hmm. was stamped out because the punishment for not doing it right
1: was so severe right exactly and that's and that's the other part of it when they're really young that punishment you know that they get that you know, action reaction uh, is is you know what will train them as young children but when they get start to get a little older uh, in a way sometimes they have to be able to make their own mistakes that some of the greatest life lessons that any of us learn is because we tried something we thought was a a good idea and we screwed up and now i learned not to do that again you know if uh, uh if uh, you know if it if a kid reaches for <laughs> Uh, for you know the hot stove top, and you tell him not to touch it, and he still keeps reaching. Well, if he touches it, he's never going to touch the stove top again. <laughs> not that we should be letting little kids you know touch hot stoves, but but I mean in life it, it is that way that you know. And if sometimes I have to make my own mistakes, and it's better that I do it while I'm in that adolescent stage of my teenage years that I start making mistakes. And I start to make my own, start learning how to make my own decisions when I still have a safety net of my parents around and a, and a good family life to come home to. And a first aid kit, you know, and is a first aid second. kit, yes, yeah, bandages. Where because once you leave the house at you know twenty years old, twenty two years old, and uh, you're living the bachelor life, you know, you don't have a first aid kit anymore. Get a roll of duct tape, <laughs> and some paper towels, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's just. The, it needs to, the, um, children should be allowed to start to make their own decisions. Not on everything, but, but on, uh, uh, you know, as they get older and more and more leeway to, to decide for themselves is given to them. And, you know, and it's not just letting them make their own mistakes too. You know, parents should take care to commend them when they do well, when they've chosen something that is good. So if, uh, they were, um, you know for instance if if they were uh out and about and they uh they were with some some friends or something uh one evening and uh and they had told you that they were going to be at um you know Johnny's house and we were just going to play uh some board games with the with the family or something and then they get there and Johnny's not their his parents aren't home and Johnny's decided that you know they're not going to go crazy but they're just going to have a few drinks or something like that at the house and he's 16 years 17 years old and your son or daughter decides uh you know that they're not going to go along with that I don't think I you know my, I'm not supposed to to do that without my I'm not supposed to have a drink without my parents around uh, you know I still have to drive home uh, I don't I'm, you know I'm not comfortable with the situation I um, I think I'm just going to Call it a quit, and call it quits, and go home for the night. You know, and and you find out about that. You know, you shouldn't just. It shouldn't be something that is treated as like I expect you to make that decision. Right. You should. You should commend them for making a, a good decision in that way. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm glad that you right. you you chose to do that. You know that shows. Your, your maturity in that way, or uh, you know, whatever, and it doesn't have to be some, just avoiding an occasion of sin. It could just be choosing something wisely for their lives in general. You know that uh, that is just a good choice. But you know, you should commend them for those things, so they be, because that'll help them to build confidence to to make decisions in the future, knowing that they can always come back to you for for advice. And that's you know, with the decision making process, that has to always be there too. Is that little talk when they're kids and they're little, you correct them and you just tell them. You know, I think we use the uh, the the great example of training an animal, basically training a dog or a cat to to do something. You you correct them and you tell them no, and then they learn that you know uh, if I do something bad, bad things happen to me. If I do something good, good things happen. Yeah, if I touch to the me. hot
0: stove, I'm, my hand is going to get
1: burned. Right. Or you know if I if I pull the the cat's tail, you know, I'm going to get a spanking from daddy or something like that, you know, or, or from the cat or from the cat <laughs> yeah, scratch from the cat. But, uh, it's, um, but when they get older, uh, it's, you it can't just simply be that, that reaction, that reactionary discipline or reactionary commending, but the parents should take time to, to have those little talks every now and again with their kids. So if they screw up, in some way, on which they will because they're kids and and you know that's what kids do is is mess things up sometimes when they do it they're still you know they're still not uh, the, the, you know they're still learning how to do these things um, you know never pass up the teachable moment, and I think that's of of the utmost importance when it comes to children learning to 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 how to become you know, how to function as an as an adult. You know, is to that you should never pass up a teachable moment. That you know, if the, you see your kid chose to do something which was not a wise choice, then you know, sit down and talk to him and say, you know, then go your well. This, you know, why do you think that? And you know, this is why that's not a good way to go about this. Or for something like, you know, you know, that, you know, that that led them into some sort of uh, temptation or something like, you, you know, talk to them about looking after their soul as, you know, the most important thing, even though, you know, that this, uh, this seemed appealing at the time, that, you know, this is, you have to look for your soul more than anything else. Or whatever the situation di- dictates, don't be afraid to have those little talks where you uh, sit down and uh, and and really kind of explain or or uh, or work through an issue or a problem, because they will learn greatly from that, and they also will learn that they can come to their their parents for advice if their parents are willing to, to explain and 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 to help them in that way, rather than just that putting the thumb down on them, you know. One one. Observation, Father,
0: if, if a child is always receiving the negative comments, you did this wrong, mm-hmm. but never receiving the you did this right comments, yes, the only thing that is really keeping the child from not doing the wrong thing is the fear of the punishment that's going to come with it because that's the only thing that the child gets. Right? There's only reproof. Um, at some point, the child may just decide to do the bad thing anyway because it's never... Doing the good thing is never, is never noticed, or at right. least it doesn't seem as though it's noticed. And um, the child only gets the punishment. So by not putting a, a bit of a spin on the positive aspects of the child's behavior, um, and, it, and a parent may, in fact, push a child to do the wrong things mm-hmm. because the parent hasn't helped to incentivize the child to want to do
1: the right thing. Right, because it's you know, let's face it. We you know we all think that way of you know in a way that is in some aspect what am I what am I going to get out of it, if you will? Not I don't mean it in that very base level of it, but in a way that you know we have to look out for our our own good. You're talking about an 11 year old, let's say. Yeah, or or a 25 year old, you know, because let's let's face it, even the fact of of you know anything we do in life. You know, we we want to look out for our own good. We do the acts of religion, and the most perfect way of doing them is because we love God and we want to serve him and things. But we also know that we can gain graces, that we can, uh, you know, get ourselves closer to heaven. We can, uh, we can gain graces and, and get souls out of purgatory, you know there's positive things with that come with our acts of religion and yes the most perfect aspect of it is just loving and serving god and uh and that's you know that should be our highest motive with it but it helps that we have these these extras that we we can get these extra graces these extra merits these uh you know the the, the promise of salvation those things are there for us to to help us also you know if we were told you got to you have to you know say your prayers and you have to go to mass and you have to do all these things but you get no graces you get no merits you aren't going to go to heaven you uh, there's no you know positives that came out for it you just have to go by the fact that you know you should love and honor god all justice no mercy right then it really becomes kind of like it becomes a heroic action in that sense to do anything virtuous anymore Rather than, uh, you know, and and not everybody or not even the majority of people will make a heroic action in, in a case like that. So it's, uh, I think it's important, you know, that we take that down to the next level. It's not that every time a kid does something good, they should be given some sort of reward for it. Or, you know, that they have to be commended at every turn. But they have to have it sometimes, and especially when they do something good in a, in a much larger way because it's uh, it's something that uh, will keep them moving in that correct direction it has to be it has to be, enti- has to be uh, appealing to them to want to be to be good we'd like to remind our listeners that
0: you're listening to Pastor Alia on the restoration radio network I'm your host Joshua Gunscher. I'm joined by Father Stephen McKenna of st. Gertrude the great Roman Catholic Church in Westchester Ohio today we're finishing up our two-part series on Catholic parenting, we're talking about parenting older children, um, not quite teenagers through maybe about 18, even even, even older. Um, we've, we've talked a little bit about the fourth commandment and, and how parents need to strive for a balance between uh, encouraging their children and, and disciplining their children, uh, even the older children. And and also about how there's a need to foster a sense of independence, uh, not to become radical free thinkers, but uh, to be able to learn to function as adults in the world. We're going to be talking soon about a balance between uh, play and work, uh, something that may be difficult for children and even some adults to manage. And then move into a, a short discussion on, on dating and courtship uh, and how it uh, affects Children of, of 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 the proper age. Uh, finally, we'll be talking a little bit about rebellion and how to keep the home as a spiritual safe haven. Father, before we move on, I just wanted to to kind of go to an issue that comes up a lot. It's it's a bugaboo that some people take very very strong and hard positions on. You have a child who is old enough and perhaps even tall enough to go and. Turn on the computer, or to turn on the television. Who can dial a phone? Who can really be in touch with anyone in the world at any moment of any day? When you're dealing with children whom you're trying, in whom you're trying to foster a sense of independence, so that they they end up becoming uh, independent adults and can lead a normal life, have a job, perhaps have a family if they're called to it. How should we treat these? These pipelines, these potential pipelines of, of, of sin, but also uh, useful tools. Uh, how should parents balance their use when it comes to children who are a little bit older
1: and might have these devices accessible to them? I think it's, it needs to be, you know, the the freedom given to children and, and given to them to do to, the to, to things in their lives. I, I guess a great analogy for it would be. Uh, a man repelling from a cliffside. You know, he has a rope that is harnessed to him, and he has a uh, someone belaying the rope from from the top that is going to, to assist them in going down. You know, he the, the person belaying the rope as he creeps over the edge. He can't just let go of the rope and give and give the man free the freedom to fall to his death in that way, that there's no there's no more tension on it, there's no more safety given from that harness at all, you've just let go and he falls just as fast if he had no harness on whatsoever. Uh, rather he slowly begins to let out some of the line and and that allows the person to who is rappelling down the cliffside to to make progress down towards towards the ground little by little, but safely. And the same thing goes for for, for kids. You give them more freedom, and and in a way, um, the feeling is, is of the parent is it's almost that they're the ones on the cliff as they're giving out a little bit of freedom, a little bit of a time, because they the, they're they're letting their children go into uh, new experiences, which is a little bit of uncharted waters for them, and so it causes sometimes uh, a concern. But but you have to let that little bit of rope go out a little at a time. But you don't just let it go. You don't just let your, your child uh, uh, you know, have no no tension on the rope whatsoever because just like the, the person going down the cliffside, they will fall. They will fall and fall very hard. Um, so you, you're, we're not giving... You can't just give a 15-year-old absolute freedom to do whatever he wants to. It has to be a controlled... You're starting to think and experience the world... For yourself, and you can't have this just reckless or, or absolute freedom. You you still have to assist in protecting them from dangers, especially the dangers of sin. You know, the to, uh, the idea of giving uh, a ch- a child unlimited act and and you know total access to the internet at any point that they want to, or putting a computer in their room, even or a television in their room. Or you know, giving them a smartphone with, you know, with internet package on it is is just as dangerous to their soul as uh, if you were to hand them a dirty magazine, basically, because you are just basic. You you're just opening up the possibilities for so much temptation towards sin, either between watching or seeing something indecent or. You know getting themselves involved in in uh with you know in talking with people that they shouldn't be talking with or whatever it may be you you've just basically kind of thrown them to the wolves in that way with no care or regard for it even just having a cell phone in general you know now they can go and you know call whatever friends that they may have that without you even knowing it and um and And contact people that you n- might not want them to be hanging around with. It might not be good influences for them, and that might also uh, lead towards occasions for sin and things like that as well. Um, because I mean I, you can't just you know throw them uh, to out there. You can't just give them just because a, a kid has his license, uh, doesn't mean that he can just take the car whenever he feels like. Or you or even give him his own car you know those things are just too much too quickly for a kid to handle um, whereas you know it's uh it kind of remind me as I was thinking about this pointed you know the idea I mean one of the biggest things I see all over the place now is you see these young kids that are you know young teenagers you know 13 14 years old or you know, you know even uh, you know, whatever it may be and they're just typing away on these cell phones and smartphones, texting their friends, making phone calls. Every kid that I see in the airport or you know in the store or whatever it may be seems to have a cell phone. And all I can think to myself is what happened when I uh, got my first cell phone. I was like 17 or 18 years old and my parents finally let me have a cell phone. It had 12 minutes a month on it. And it was expressly told to me that this was only if I had some sort of emergency and I needed to call home to, to use this thing you know, that I, you know, I got in an accident or, uh, I'm, you know, I'm stuck in traffic and I'm going to miss curfew because there was an accident on the freeway or something. Then, then, you know, other than that, you know, you have 12 minutes, you make one phone call to a friend, not only will I see it on the bill, but you'll be out of minutes. So it was, uh, in that, that idea, even though it's just, you know the kids don't need these things and and shouldn't have these things. There's no purpose to it. You know, I have I have a, a smartphone because I use it so much for 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 work, if you will, for you know being a priest. I, you know, I'm on the road all the time, so I have to have ways to 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 check my email, to uh, to to answer phone calls, to to set you know. Make appointments and do all these things, and, and it comes in very handy. Or to uh, look up something, you know, I, how many times I've I've looked up things for for sermons and things when you're going from one hotel to another hotel on the road, and you're trying to think of a, how to write a new sermon, and you have to do research. Research sometimes, you know, the only way to to, to do it is that way. Uh, you know, if you don't, you know, unless you want to lug a, a library along with you. And um, so, what you're saying
0: is, if if you have a 14-year-old son who happens to be a priest. He can have the the, the smartphone with the internet uh, and carte blanche access to everything so that when he gets uh, a phone call in the middle of the night because someone's ill and needs, needs the last rites or because he needs to come up with a sermon...
1: He'll have it all at his fingertips, but otherwise, otherwise, yeah. Or if you have the fourteen-year-old that's that the, the, that has passed the bar and is now a lawyer, has to visit clients, you know. So. <laughs> all fourteen-year-olds have passed the bar and become lawyers, <laughs> but uh, it's you, you know, yeah, it's those things: a computer, a, a phone, a you know, those things are, are are a car. Those things are tools, and that's how we have to look at them. You know, we, so just they, to, just to be clear, father, I mean. We're not sitting here recording
0: an old Edisonian wax cylinder. Uh, we're constantly cranking uh, the, this this ancient technology. I mean, these these aren't these aren't per
1: se bad things. No, like you said, they're tools. They're tools, and it's and but we have to be responsible with with tools. So they serve a purpose, and we have a purpose to use them for. We should we should use them for it. Um, but kids don't have a purpose. You know, giving a, a child. A, a, a smartphone with with unlimited internet and uh, and without any guidance is like giving your kid, giving a ten year old, uh, a chainsaw that's running and a pile of, you know, and a pile of uh, of, uh, of wood to go at without any adult supervision. I mean, it's just wrong. And is there something wrong with a chainsaw? No. But is there something wrong with putting your kid in grave danger, which is like you know twirling chainsaws around yes that's you know you have to be careful with these things and uh and so a a, you know you can't just give them and put them allow them to to put themselves in danger because your kid is not going to be checking his email your kid is going to be looking at you know videos on the internet and uh and chatting with friends and i mean that's what the extent of the use of that and, and it serves no purpose it's just it's just unnecessary Temptation and distraction. Like, Fireworks may be legal in the state, but that doesn't mean I want you lighting them off
0: in my living room.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Father, we've hit that point where we're looking at how children, older children especially, spend their time. They're going to have friends. I mean, they're going to spend time with their friends. They're going to spend time out of the house. Even they're going to socialize, and, and these are all healthy things. I mean, there's there's nothing per se wrong with 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 socializing or with with spending time with friends or you know playing games or or you know having a, a nice get together somewhere, there needs to be this balance though between the play time and when you're you're three i mean really you're maybe you're asked to put your toys away, but every other moment of the day, if you're not eating or sleeping is is spent playing. Mm-hmm. you hit that age where now is the time for you to do something besides just put your toys away where you, I guess you get to be useful as a parent might like to call it. How are we, again, another issue of balance here. How are we supposed to strike that balance between what an older child is to do in terms of play? Sure. Go spend
1: time with your friends and what a child is supposed to do in terms of work. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, we, we talked earlier about, you know, you have to give your child, you know, a little bit of independence and teach them to have, you know, to handle little bits of freedom and things like that so they can make good decisions. But that freedom doesn't come without the greater purpose of it, which is starting to grow up. And their adolescent years are for a purpose of of growing up, becoming an adult. And with that comes responsibility and with that comes comes work. And so as they get older uh, time of play should be less and less and time of work should be more and more and more and more things to be held accountable for and responsible for. They can't Completely cancel each other out, but to have too much play and too much fun, or you know, the the the, the modern concept of of you know, just to, while you're while you're still quote unquote young, you know, enjoy these fun times. The cult of the child. Yeah, because I remember, you know, that's what people in when I was in high school would talk about. Like, well, we only get to go to high school once, so we might as well enjoy it now and have as much fun as possible. And then the same thing carries over to college. And then, by the time they get out of college they 're twenty four years old they've done and they 've done nothing they have no idea what it means to work a day in their life and they have no responsibility and it 's a harsh reality for them to meet they have they 're very mature and um you know and i and I find that the parents who instill good good uh, learnings of responsibility and and good opportunities for their kids to, to grow in this way, and giving them chores, and giving them work around the house, and, you know, like you said, making them quote-unquote useful, uh, as my as my parents would say sometimes say to me, like, why do you think we had you? I didn't have you so I could continue mowing the lawn years. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're free labor. And um, and so, you know, so they start, but they learn responsibility and a good work ethic from that young age. Uh, you know, then the parents who allow their kids to do that, their kids will end up being more mature by the age of sixteen than many people who I'm, whom I graduated college were with were at when they were graduated college, or even continuing after college. You know, just very very immature, especially in today's day and age, and where it's so so much of you, know, you know so much pampering of of the children that you know, like we don't want them to work hard or, you know, but working hard is good for, for people. You know, that's, uh, something that's, it's necessary and it's going to be part of their life when they get older. Is it, is it fair to say that all work and
0: no play does make Jack a dull boy? I mean, is it, is, are we already on the side of an extreme? Yes. if A 16 year old is, you know, he's working all day and he, he takes care of things around the house. He might even have, I don't know, a John Mulling
1: lawns nearby,
0: should he be given that opportunity?
1: Yeah, he, he has to be given an opportunity to to still play. First off, you know he still is only sixteen, you know, or whatever. He still is. He's not a full blown adult yet. He still has to be somewhat his age and and have time for for recreation and things like that. A you know a full grown adult has to have recreation. The strictest of monastic orders have daily recreation. You know, everybody. Needs that. Imagine uh, if uh, if I came to you and told you that you had to work, you know, seven hours, seven days a week, and you know, eighteen hours a day, and all you could do was go home and sleep every single day, that would uh, you would you would die. Uh, you would you just couldn't hold up. You we have to have uh, you know some recreation in order to be able to do those things well, and even a little more so when they're still young. Um, but uh but as but, you know we should see that starting the amount of recreation time, the amount of time focused on things of play should start to diminish as they get older, and you know the amount of responsibilities, the amount of work to give them should start to increase a bit as they get older um, until when they're adults, now you've come to that point where they meet in their proper adult places. Uh, you know you just see it so often in in the world today, that, that misconception and that overemphasis on play, how much importance is put into, uh, into, you know, high school kids being the best at whatever sport they're playing or, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, to, you know, then they go off to college and they, you know, if, you know, if you were to play college athletics, I mean, you're spending almost a full-time job just playing, you know, sports, you know, that, it's you know the, it's backwards. It's 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 uh, it's inverse of what it should should be. It needs to be no. You're starting to get older now, and you need to leave these things of of play and fun in their proper place and you know kind of behind a little bit. And yes, if you want to get around and throw a ball around every now and again, that's fine. But but no, you need to start thinking about the fact that you're going to have to work during your life and uh, and support yourself. So you know start building up towards that now. So that's. Uh, and that's what's going to make them to be uh, mature and uh, and ready for adulthood in the world.
0: Well, we're getting to that point in a child's life where you're ready for adulthood. You're as ready as you're going to be for the world. And I know that there's a tendency for a lot of parents, and I, I certainly can understand the, the fear that a, child, a parent might have when a child goes out into the world. I suppose it's... The fear should be proportionate to the degree to which the parent trained and taught the child to deal with the things that the child is going to encounter in the world. But you, you hit this point eventually where, you know, say, a young man, you know, he's been, say, mowing lawns or he's been uh, helping his father with, uh, with the, the business the father has. And then he goes and he gets a job where it requires him to drive miles away or to move somewhere else. That's almost an inevitability in most people's lives mm-hmm. that uh, for better or worse, we don't live in the neighborhood where you you, you grew up. We right. don't live across the street or down the block and you have three generations and within a, a quarter mile. When a child starts to... And when I say child here, I mean, you know, a child who's of working age, legitimate working age, not a casual mowing the lawn, shoveling the driveway, but has an actual job who is learning to earn an income because this is something you may be required to do down the line. In terms of how a parent is supposed to react, especially when a child is still living at home, when there's still a say in in a situation, Father, how should we treat a child going out into the world? I mean, what, what should be the, the, a good, solid Catholic parental response to a son or even a, a, a daughter who is looking to earn a bit of a wage? Mm-hmm. What, what should the response be to that child going out and, and, and working in the world, perhaps with people
1: or for people that the child doesn't know? And perhaps you know, people whom the parents don't even know well i think it's a, it's it's something that is go, at some point is, is necessary and uh, you know a parent should allow them to, to to begin to do that because it's i mean we're not talking sending your 10 year old off to dig you know in the quarries or something like that but we're but we we are talking of you know kids 16 17 years old and uh, is looking to get a you know part time job uh you know, working at the uh, uh, like an a oil changing place or uh, you know uh, when I was grow- growing up in in Massachusetts, you know there's a grocery store chain called, you know market basket and it was almost it seemed like an unwritten mandatory rule that every kid has to do his time in, in the right market basket, basket. Yeah. yeah so so it's so you we all worked in market basket and that was uh that was part, you know but they want to go out and, and start making a little bit of money for themselves and and doing that um i think that's a it's a it's 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 good and it's healthy and necessary it's not any sort of mandate that the child
0: be working in a crucifix factory, or you know, striking medals of saints. I mean, I think there's a there's a desire for Catholic parents to have their children working, say, for other Catholics. Where you you get the sense that the expectations will continue to be had, and and the type of interaction will be a positive one. You won't end up with some uh, worldling who doesn't know how to control the things he says or. Um, you know, how she dresses or things like
1: right. that. I mean, it doesn't have to be right. that situation. And that's, and that's because uh, you have to realize too that, especially today, you're not going to run into many opportunities that are there. And if you ever want your, your child to, to one day have a job of his own and be able to support himself and a family, then you have to oftentimes give up on the hope of them working at the crucifix factory. <laughs> it's just, just not a reality, you know, and, um, and so what it ends up being is you you have to let them go. You have to let them go out and 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 learn how to deal with these things. And uh, and especially seen as you know when we're talking about this age when they're 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 almost adults now, and you're you, they're going to need to start learning to get a job. And it's best to for the couple of years that you still have them still at home now to have them go out and have that the ability to retreat back to a, a good catholic home where you know it's going to be uh, a safe haven for them away from those things and that's that's going to mean to be necessary or if they run and encounter something strange or 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 troubling that they can talk about it to you but uh, but you know that's unfortunately that's the reality of life in general nowadays is that you're going to go off and work most people and you're going to find employment where they're, you're going to meet troubling things and and it's good to have a taste of it a bit while you still have that safety net like we talked about before with the independence and, and yeah exactly and so it's um and so you so you let them go and you you have to trust in a way uh put your trust in the fact that you've raised them to be good Catholics their whole life long and that you trust and pray that that foundation is is strong enough to to carry them through those those trials and difficulties that they'll experience because there's it's unavoidable it's it's something that you can't steer clear of and it's best to to let your child start to wade into those waters you know same thing with uh with schooling you know it's 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 uh you know, we, you know obviously the best option is is to have a catholic school for for kids to go to but that's not always an option for everybody so a lot of people have to homeschool these days but you know now that say if you have an 18 year old and they're interested in getting um some sort of you know, more white-collar job or something like that, and they might have to go off to 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 get some sort of degree or schooling. Oh, okay, you know, you might you're not going to send them off to be living in a dorm room necessarily at some you know major state university where that you know like parties galore. But you have a college nearby or you know even community college or something like that, and so okay, well you know, go ahead. You're going to run into you know, you're 18 years old. You're going to run into people who are going to be naysayers of the faith. You're going to run into people who aren't going to be living their lives right. And um, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that you need an education, or it doesn't take away from the fact that you need um, that you need a job or whatever. And you're going to have to go through these things. So so go ahead. You still, we still have the safety net of you coming back here each day and and being able to come and you know and be part of the family every day that is that safe haven and that, that rock for them to be
0: part of. So, Father, we're going to see that having this safe haven is increasingly important as a child gets older, um, especially when looking towards what one is going to, to do with the rest of his life or her life. Let's talk a moment about dating and courtship. Um, we're not going to spend a tremendous amount of time on it, so I don't want our listeners, to think that for the sake of brevity, we're dismissing the importance of this. But in terms of Catholic child rearing, we get to the point where a young man or young woman has an interest in uh, finding a spouse, that, that this is the vocation uh, that the, the child has been called to. What is, just to start us off, what is a, a reasonable age I know that the church allows for very young marriages, but in the practical order, what do you i mean in, in your your priestly ministry, what do you see as being uh, a reasonable age with exceptions of course, but what do you see as being a reasonable age for for a child to start considering the
1: married state well i don't know that you can put a necessarily an exact reasonable age on it because it 's so dependent upon uh, an individual's uh... Life, you know, and uh, and how they've been set up for for their life and 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 where they are, both uh, maturity wise and and life and life preparedness wise. Because when the idea of I mean, we're certainly not talking about like twelve year olds or you know thirteen, fourteen year olds having boyfriends and girlfriends. That should be that idea should be just you know shunned and, and and kicked to the curb in general because in the United States in today's day and age it's impossible to think of them being ready for marriage at, at that type of type of age you know that's you know because we have to look that the modern concept of dating like i'm just going to have these you know i'm going to go through like a whole you know the the stack of cards of different boyfriends and girlfriends and everything like that is just it's just a travesty of an idea, and it just should be shunned. You know, any idea of of courtship uh, and of being a, a proper, you know, a couple, so to speak, is is a remote perp- preparation for for marriage, and that is the the sole purpose of it. It has, you know, it has no other real purpose than finding out is such and such a person that I want to get married to. You know, that's that's my my end goal of of this is finding out if. If this is who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with in, in the sacrament of matrimony, and uh, and it's not you know it's not something that you know, really young people should be jumping into. But if you're not actually seriously considering marrying the, that very person, then you've got no business. Then you have no business. All you are doing is opening the door for temptation. You have no business being there. You know, it's no matter how old you are. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, you know It's it's just It's like um, A man on a On a very strict diet Walking into You know A fast food restaurant Just to smell All the aromas Of the Of the Of the food Or something like that You know He has no business Being there He's just tempting himself To break his diet And You know it's the same thing for that. You know, you have no business being in a relationship that you're not looking in some way to marriage. Now, you know, obviously, you're not going to know right away, like, this is the person I'm definitely marrying. But you have to be uh, someone when it's time, to, you know, for someone to start courting and, and uh, a, a person, they have to be pretty close to, to, to being ready to be getting married. So, uh, is it, you know, are there people who are like 18 years old? That may be ready to to court and to get married in the in the near future. Yes, that does certainly happen. And you know, maybe someone is eighteen years old and has just finished high school, but they have a very good job and they are mature people. Then you know, then by all means, there's no. And if they think that's what they're calling life is to 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 matrimony, then there's no there's no reason to hold them back from from pursuing that. But how should how should a parent be directing
0: a child or at least uh, aiding a child in the, the plans even just the plans to court i mean what what should the the parent's role be obviously a parent is not going
1: to sit back and fold his arms and say hmm. do whatever you want to do yeah well the parent should should have you know really words of caution and well they should you know the about uh, a child who's Going to you know, who's interested in, in getting uh, to start courting or something like that. That if they're if the child the parent sees that they're not ready for it, then they should have real strong words of caution for it. So you know, I, I was talking about the the eighteen year old who has a good job and uh, you know that could support a family on his n- now wages that he has with his job, and it has a, you know a high maturity le- maturity level. Um, then then by all means you know he could process. But if you have you know, if you're a parent and you see that your 18-year-old um, wants to go off to and is going to begin going to to university and he's going to search after some four-year or you know four-year degree or perhaps even a, a a six-year degree of a master's or of something in that way, if their their plan is to go to to university or to college, to then they should be told hold off uh, on on dating or courting because of the fact that if they find you know a gal that they really like and are, are smitten by and it seems to be a good match, then now you just have this temptation waiting there before you that you have to resist for the next four years because of the fact that you're in no place to be able to support a family when you're not making any money. You're just simply studying at school, trying to get yourself to be in a position to start making money. And so, um, so that has to be the understanding that you know it's uh, my end game is, is is my end goal is is marriage with with the idea of courting, and um, and so if I'm not in a place in my life where I'm either at a point where I could start supporting a family or nearing a point where I could start supporting a family, then I'm better off just staying. You know, staying off the off the table, if you will, out, you know, off out of the game until until I am at if that Don't built. fly the flag. Yeah, don't 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 put up the colors yet. You know that, uh, or the you know don't take the don't take off the no from the vacancy sign. You know, and uh, uh, it's just you, you got to you have to be smart about it, and um, so that's the, you know the important thing about uh, about courtship is being at that point to be ready to, to move on to that and like I said it's it's going to be different for different people you know some people will will you know not be able to lend themselves a decent job until they're quite a bit older and then uh, while other people might have good employment or good prospects and you know are quite young 18 years old or something and and are ready to go um, then well, then it's just it's each situation is different so but the parent should i mean it, it should be a parent to a, a a parent to a parent. you know it should <laughs> it should be clear to an a parent that uh, you know where your where your child sits in that and if there's a uh you know if there if there the parents should be careful for themselves so that they don't try to hold on to that image of of Johnny or Susie being you know 10 years old their whole life long because at some point they do need to move on and do these things with their lives, and as they become adults, you know they do need to make their own decisions, and, and in that way, and, and part of that is, is choosing a spouse if they're called to marriage, and um, you know you can't hold them back from from that for forever. So you have to you know, sometimes you have to keep letting that rope out a bit too. So it's finding that that good balance. Strictly speaking, Father, when someone
0: is still living in your home. Still a child. This is somebody who is dependent on you for sustenance Mm -hmm. for for bed and board. Yes. Um you know, you're talking about a minor child here. This isn't a child who's you know older, who just happens to be living at home because you know, hasn't gotten married yet or is just saving money, that sort of thing. Um, but when you actually still have um say over the things that a child does, you have a seventeen year old. Mm The seventeen-year-old is beholden to his or her parents. What does the say of a Catholic parent in terms of uh, whom that child can marry? I mean, is is there a veto right that a Catholic parent has when the child is is still young like that?
1: Well, when a child is still young and uh, and under the the age of majority, because the Church always recognizes um, the age of majority as that which the state has determined it to be. Um, it doesn't tread upon those rights uh, of the state. Uh, and so so the, here in the United States, the age of majority is 18, which I think is probably common in a lot of countries anyways, too, as a, as a good marquee age anyways. Um, then that's what the view from the Catholic Church is, is for the United, people in, living in the United States, is that you are of the... you. Know, for, are the age of a minority until you're 18 years old. And uh, so they're living at home, and so a parent can say to them, yes, you know, you have to, um, you know, you should not be courting so-and-so because you're not even done with your high school education yet. And you're, you know, courting is preparation for marriage and uh, you need not be tempted or distracted by these things. So, you know, I forbid you for, for doing that. So
0: the parent could forbid a marriage
1: Yeah. Yes, in in that in that situation, or at least forbidding it, you know, for the time being, anyways. When they turn eighteen, you know, things get a bit more sticky because now they are able to make their own decision, and uh, and they are able to choose their own spouse. You know, that's. uh, But it's so it gets a bit more sticky. They, I mean, but a child should always be have really high regards for the advice of his parents in regards to that, that situation. And, you know, you know, choosing a spouse and, and should even look to, to seek advice from them because, you know, not only does he have respect for them as good Catholics and things like that, uh, or, uh, or for, for their the other virtues of prudence and things like that, but there's there's wisdom in, in age too and experience that you know no eighteen or nineteen year old should just automatically assume like I have all the answers to the world. But you know, but the, ultimately choosing a spouse is their decision and it has to be their decision because they're the ones that have to live. Before with that choice for the rest of their lives, and um, and so they have, you know, they're they're going to make the ultimate decision. But uh, but, the, but the parents' advice should be highly uh, valued and sought after by by a child. And um, but it's uh, but while they're of the age of minority, then uh, yes, it's it's not so much a. Forbiddance on, though a parent can say, I forbid you to see so and so because they're a bad influence on you, and they can actually enforce that. Um, but, you know, it's also, but it should be more, you know, but it, oftentimes it ends up being more, well, I'm forbidding you from doing this because you're just not at a place in your life where you'd be ready for prospect of marriage on the next year or two. You know, that you have to focus on your school right now and then we'll worry about. Uh, you know, we'll worry about marriage when you get to that point. Uh, don't uh, don't get so wrapped up in these, and you know, don't grow up too fast. Basically, you know, at the same time. And so it's, uh, you know, just one. You know, we're prioritizing in that way. So it's, um, you know, that kind of gets a, a little sticky in that way. But it's, um, but it is, you know, while the while the age of minority, they have to obey their parents and those things. And when they age reach the age of majority, if they're living at home, you know, then there's certainly house rules that they have to abide by if they wish to stay at home. But but they don't have to defer to the parents' decision then. Correct. Yeah. But but they would. Um, but they. But they should be cautioned that um, that they should be very cautious about if they find themselves going against it because you know, ninety five percent of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, they're going to have sage advice for you. Um, and, you know, don't be foolhardy about ignoring it. Um, but if you find that, uh, that, you know, but ultimately know that it is your choice to, to make. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, you might not, while they might have good intentions, they might not have, uh, they're not there to pick your spouse for you, but they can caution you in whatever way they want to. Sometimes.
0: Children will use even a choice of a spouse as, a, as an opportunity to rebel against their parents or to rebel against what they've been taught uh, in terms of the Catholic faith. Um, sometimes it has nothing to do with a spouse. It could be rebellion in, in any area of life. How is a Catholic parent supposed to deal with what seems like an almost inevitable Event the inevitable rebellion that a child is going to going yeah. to
1: display. Well, I think you know first is coming to the acceptance of you know parents, your children are going to rebel. Like there's no this you know, there's very little way around.
0: It's fallen human nature. I mean, yeah, it's,
1: exactly, and it's and it's you know as you start to give some area of uh, of independence, and as they start to develop a, a way of thinking for themselves, they're going to think you know just do just that Think for themselves and so at times they're going to be you know you're, most teenagers are going to at some point rebel and it is a cause for a lot of heartache for for many parents but uh, it doesn't have to be uh, because a parent can very subtly kind of push them in the right direction and you know and in understanding that that rebellion is a natural thing that happens uh, you know, parents should subtly try to harness that for good. Um, they should subtly push them in the right direction, so they're not rebelling against the parents, but they're rebelling against something else that should be rebelled ab- uh, against. You know, that, you know, and the trick, the tricky part of it is, is they have to think of it as almost their own idea. It can't be like, no, you should rebel against, uh, you know, uh, immodest dress because that's what you, that's your that's what I've chosen for you to rebel against. You can't be a you know a demand for for them to rebel against something or something that they're just obeying in their own right. But it has to be. Um, it, they have to almost. You almost have to allow them to think that they're rebelling against it on their their own right. But but subtly. Pushing them in that direction, you know, that they should rebel against worldliness or or uh, conforming to the standards of those around them, or conforming to you know the ways of immorality or impurity, you know, and the you know the you know naturalism and humanism and all the things that we see around us all the time um, that we can point to and say that these things are inordinate or 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 are or are evil or whatever they may be um, you know, that's a good place to harness that, that kind of independent mindset and spirit towards rather than turning towards a rebellion against, um, you know, against parents or against, you know, priestly advice or a religion or something that we would never want them to rebel against. So we try to, to funnel it in towards the right direction. And so when they, when they start to do so that they, that it's a controlled rebellion and, uh, and it kind of gets it out of their system. They feel better about themselves, and they, you know, made these decisions themselves. And uh, and it's uh, and and they continue on, you know, with the, with the, the important parts of their life that you know maintain that good Catholic lifestyle. So,
0: in terms of maintaining that good Catholic lifestyle, Father the the child is still throughout all of these discussions. The child is still. Living at home, and the child is still around the parents, uh, perhaps around siblings. What are we to do at home to make sure that this transition into adulthood, into responsible and Catholic adulthood, is is going to be successful? I mean, how do we get the best the best chance at this? <laughs> the best bang for our buck, if well, you I will. I mean, yeah, how do we it's... how do we make sure that that what we're doing is is tending
1: to the benefit of our children in their in their maturity. Well, like we talked about at the beginning, part of it is the foundation and the raising from the very beginning of a consistent Catholic lifestyle. But the other part of it is is what we kind of hinted at in the points of letting a child go out to <clears throat> to the uh to to work or to to go to school or things like that is that uh that having that safety net at home and and but a spiritual safety net uh that their how the home that you create for your kids has to be one of consistent piety and, and, and religious practice, that it has to be a normal thing in their lives and, are, and, are, and a real true foundation for them. That you, you that you you know, that they come home and there is the daily family prayers, especially the rosary, and realizing how important that consistent family prayer time together is, um, that you make as frequent access to the sacraments as possible, that they have every opportunity to, to make frequent confessions and frequent, if not daily communions, and uh, that they participate in as many liturgical devotions and make a liturgical life their own, whether at the church or even at home, or you know participating learning to serve for boys or learning to be in the choir or you know di- different things to make the faith their own and to make it really solid and just a normal everyday part of their life that you know is as as important to, to their daily activity as you know taking a shower and brushing their teeth it's just something you just don't not do and um, and but also something that they love and embrace as their own cuz the faith has to be that foundation because if you don't if you Do that consistently all the time at home. Then there's great hope that when they get, when they finally do become adults and they finally move out of their house and are responsible for themselves, they're going to continue on doing it. If you are so inconsistent with it and you don't make it a priority and you don't uh, lay that good solid foundation, then you know it's. It's a real hit or miss whether the child is going to continue on with the strong faith and the strong and having that be a important part of their lives and if you really are are, are derelict in, the, in that in that solid foundation, then the only way your your child is going to maintain a good practice of the faith is totally of their own decision and not having anything to do with what you've brought them up to do and so it's It'd be risky yeah very risky i mean it's a talk about a foundation based in the laid in sand it's just you know you're uh it has to be we're not saying these things are easy but we're saying that they're necessary you know there are days when you come home and you're tired and just worn out you just want to sit and relax or take a nap or something uh but gather the, the, the troops together at the house and and have everybody pull out their beads and kneel down and, and say the rosary is going to take some effort. Some some days, and uh, but that's the effort that's worth putting in. You know, you, you work hard at work so you can see to succeed at work. You know, you, we need to work at least just as hard with our faith so we can succeed for our souls. And um, and so it's of the utmost importance that 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 parents put in that good. Effort to make a true uh, Catholic lifestyle at home and make that the, their day and their world revolve around their, their souls and their and their faith. Father, you said it right.
0: I don't think anybody is led to the misapprehension that it's it's easy, but it is necessary, and I think we should all take heart. Uh, those of us who are our Catholic parents or who. Uh, may shortly become Catholic parents, uh, who even think about becoming Catholic parents, that uh, it's something that's that's possible, it's it's necessary, but it's also doable. Mm -hmm. And I know that those of us who've been married uh, not nearly as long as others may not have had as many opportunities to remember that God gives married people special graces to deal with precisely those types of situations. (laughs) As we close out this episode, we've covered the fourth commandment and its application to children as they grow older. We've also talked about how to balance the need to enforce the rules in a home with the need to not nitpick and smother children. We don't want to push them away or create an unhealthy fear in them. We've also talked about how to encourage children to become independent. Uh, An independent child, at least a child who starts out becoming independent, is going to lead to an independent adult. We looked at a little bit at the work-play balance which children need to establish so that as they grow older and undertake greater responsibilities, the idea of not playing as much and working a little bit more uh, is not found to be distasteful or even unnatural. Father, led us in a little bit of a discussion about dating and courtship and how Catholic parents are to treat it when they find children thinking that they may be called to the marriage state. And also how to focus rebellion so that it actually becomes a useful thing since it is bound to occur. Finally, we're encouraged to know that the home is always going to be, like the church, a, a spiritual safe haven. And the types of practices in which we can engage to ensure that the rearing of truly Catholic children uh, into truly Catholic adults is something which is, uh, not only begins in the home, but ends there as well. Any closing thoughts before we leave, Father?
1: I think really the only thing to, to sum it all up is that raising a, a Catholic uh, child from beginning to end of their, you know, the entire time, 18, 20, 22 years that they might be under your roof um, is is something that is a, a lifelong endeavor, you know, that you have to put work into it, you have to be consistent, you have to, to always be, uh, you know, to be looking out for the betterment the best thing for the for that child whether it be just the life skills in general or but most importantly their soul and um but uh but if we have that that mindset and we try to do it from from the beginning and we try to to follow the catholic principles uh as closely as we can and we always come back to that the most important part which is uh, our prayer for our family um and uh, then, you know, then God will see us to do the best we can. And in figuring that out, there's no um, exact manual on how to, you know, to 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 raise. It's not a cookie cutter kid manual. You know that you, every kid is the same, and you and you treat them exactly the same. It doesn't work that way. But um, but if we follow these Catholic, Catholic principles and always have it based in in good spiritual life and prayer, then uh, then we'll find our way. Um, to to raising good Catholic children who will then become good Catholic adults. Well, once again, Father, thank you so much
0: for your time. Uh, we're looking to talk to you again next month as we continue this series. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. If you have any questions for Father McKenna or feedback on this episode, we'd really like to hear from you. You can contact us At pastoralia at truerestoration.org, and we'll certainly pass along your questions or comments to Father McKenna. We'd also want to take the moment to remind you that all of the correspondence you have with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who help make our network worthwhile and really make it possible. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is your prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Joshua Guncher. May God bless you.